0: Check it out. One two one two one two one two one two Check this out, check this out, check this out. Yeah One two one two one two one two, one, two. Check this out, check this out Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill episode number 145 when we go back to the, back past. To the past and read a comic book from the yes year of publishing. You can find us on Sundays on Chrisandreggie.com or subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and by hanging around too long after carousel.
1: Oh, it makes me dizzy on that carousel. <laughs>
0: it's quite a Quite Up a spin and down, around,
1: around the band. Yeah, <laughs> That's ooh.
0: right uh, We're going to read a pretty interesting uh, comic today What are we reading today, Chris?
1: We are looking at Marvel Comics' take on Logan's Run We're going to look at Logan's Run number 6 Cover date of June 1977 It was written by John Warner uh, With art by Tom Sutton and Terry Austin leaded by Joe Rosen, colored by Don Warfield, edited by Archie Goodwin, and this one came with a cover price of 80, I'm sorry, 30 cents. Uh, <laughs> there's my crossed eyes there from the carousel ride. Right? 30 cents American for this uh, for this comic book feature.
0: Well, that's good. And you'll, we'll tell you before the end of the show why we're doing number six and not number one. But for now, let's dive into the people that made the thing, starting with the writer John David Warner, was most prolific from the years 1973 to 1975, when he wrote many issues of Gold Key Comics adaptation Dark Shadows, as well as several one-shots for Marvel, DC, and Warren. From 1975 to 1978, Warner was an editor and writer for Marvel's Black and White magazines. He worked primarily on Deadly Hands, the Kung Fu, but also on Doc Savage, Marvel Preview, and Rampaging Hulk. For the latter series, he created the character Killer Shrike and the Modular Man. Warner wrote most of the run of Marvel's Son of Satan, and in the late 1970s wrote Gold Key's Flash Gordon comic book. His writing experience makes Warner an odd choice for this science fiction comic book at hand, not really fantasy or horror.
1: It's true. Uh, We hop across the table and meet Thomas F. Sutton. He was born April 15, 1937, and he was raised in North Adams, Massachusetts. He had a half-sister, seven or eight years older than him. Uh, While enlisted with the Air Force, he worked on art projects. While stationed at a Tommy base in Japan, he created the Caniff-style adventure strip F-E-A-R Dragon, so Fear Dragon, for a base publication. His first professional comics work, uh, that led to a long-hoped-for placement on the staff of the military's newspaper, uh, Stars and Stripes, which we've talked about a few times before. Now, at the Tokyo office of Stars and Stripes, he uh, drew the comic strip Johnny Craig. This is a character name inspired by the EC Comics artist Johnny Craig. Hmm. <laughs> now, the- <laughs> this strip uh, came out seven days a week for over two years. He returned to civilian life in 1959, and he moved first to San Francisco and then to Jacksonville, Vermont, where his parents lived. In about 1960, he began attending the School of the, school of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. He studied there for two and a half years while freelancing for, in commercial art for smaller agencies.
0: In 1960s, uh, er, Tom married his first wife, and they divorced about five years Later, and Tom became estranged from his sons. Later, Tom lived in Newburyport with his third wife, Charlotte, who ran a Montessori school for little people on the first floor of their Victorian house. How about that? So, uh, what do you think of that? Uh, Sutton's first two comic book stories appeared in the same month. His first sale, "The Monster from One Billion B.C.," was published in Warren Publishing's Eerie Number Eleven, September 1967 cover date. He also illustrated the five-page Western story, The Wild Ones, written by Saul Brodsky in Marvel's Kid Cult Outlaw, number 137, September 1967, cover date. According to Tom Sutton, editor-in-chief Stan Lee, quote, looked at the stuff that I had brought in, which was stuff that I had done in the service for Stars and Stripes in Tokyo. I think I was rather impressed by the fact that I had actually done a Daily Comic strip for two years. He didn't get many people who had done that. He just reached over and pulled uh, off this huge pile of blank paper, and he said, Okay, do me a couple of westerns, and I'll see you next week. Have fun. I remember that very well. Have fun, end quote.
1: His distinctive style helped establish the popular supernatural character Vampirella from her first story, Vampirella of Draculona. That was written by Forrest J. Ackerman, and it appeared in Vampirella Number no. 1, cover dated September 1969. With writer Archie Goodwin, Sutton helped transition Vampirella from cheeky horror hostess into a serious dramatic character. This was in a 21-page story called Who Serves the Cause of Chaos, and that appeared in issue number 8, November 1970 cover date. Though well-suited for horror stories, Sutton was also admired for his work on such science fiction stories as Marvel's Planet of the Apes magazine. And for the humor title, not brand, not brand ek, <laughs> on which he appeared in nearly every single issue, Marvel gave him plenty of the horror work that he excelled at, and uh, he once called superheroes fascist. Hmm. While he lent a hand very occasionally, Sutton stayed mostly on Marvel's supernatural heroes, such as Werewolf by Night, Ghost Rider, and Doctor Strange, among others.
0: So this is two. This is two horror creators, creators really, on yeah. a, a science fiction. On a
1: licensed sci-fi, yeah. I think,
0: I think it shows maybe where Marvel thought this uh, movie was really about, but... Could be. Who Could knows? Well be. Uh, Tom Sutton created the furry version of X-Men's The Beast in Amazing Adventures, a number 11, March 1972, cover date, and he would star in a superhero horror feature in Amazing Adventures, number 11 through 15, March through September 1972. That's the Beast...
1: Tom along with Doug Mensch created the Future Chronicle stories for Marvel's Planet of the Apes magazine. Uh, Sutton worked with a larger than usual originals in order to better show off his mixed media work and this allowed for very fine details in that work. Now for the for the horror oriented Warren comics, uh, Sutton drew dozens of stories early in his career. He would moonlight for Warren competitor Skywald Publications, and he drew the Frankenstein novel sequel, Frankenstein, comma, Book 2. This was serialized in Psycho Magazine issues 3 through 6, May uh, 1971 through May 1972 cover. Tom drew Marvel's Muck Monster Man thing as an eight in eight in eight-page installments in the omnibus series Marvel Comics presents during the late 1980s. Uh, he moved to Mystic, Connecticut, in the mid-1970s, and he worked. Uh, he wrote and drew horror stories for the Derby, Connecticut-based Charlton Comics, including such titles as Ghost Manor. Midnight Tales, Monster Hunters, and The Many Ghosts of Dr. Graves. Uh, He would draw Marvel Premiere number 50 with an October 1979 cover date, and this featured rock musician Alice Cooper as a comic book character.
0: Whoa, he wasn't Mm -hmm. already one? (laughs) True Uh, that. Sutton was one of the artists on Batman number 400 October 1986 cover date, and he penciled virtually all 56 issues of the DC's licensed series Star Trek from 1984 to 1988. This was a period in which he has said, quote, I know I was becoming an alcoholic. The desire to continue drawing, he said in an interview with the Comics Journal, overcame the urge to drink. He said, you can be as drunk as a forking skunk, and there's a little voice that goes off in your head that says, would you like to draw pictures, or would you like to be drunk face down in the gutter? Choose one. Those are the only two chances you've got. I had my own little miracle. I thank God for it to this day. I'm not making a big thing out of it. The only reason I even talk about it is the fact that I think there are other people out there who need to know this, and you can save yourself. You go to AA, and, eh, I couldn't stick with AA. Other people, that's great place for them. I ran out of bars, one by one, and there must have been a dozen in Newburyport. I was a persona non grata at every single one of them, and I would never sit home and drink. I had to have an audience. Uh, under his, uh... Pseudonym Dementia, which he adopted in 1994, Tom drew for Fantagraphics Books, Eros Comics, and that was their line of adults comics. A limited edition portfolio of six H.P. Lovecraft-inspired fantasy prints, *The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath*, was produced in 1978 and reprinted in the 2002 (laughs) book *Graphic Classics: uh, H.P. Lovecraft*. Police found Sutton dead of an apparent heart attack in his Amosbury apartment. On May 3rd, 2002, his official date of death is May 1st.
1: Mm -hmm. We shift a little further down the uh, bench here and we'll meet uh, Terry Austin, Terry Kevin Austin, who also provided some pencils for this issue. Uh, He was born August 23rd, 1952 in Detroit, Michigan. He started inking comics as an assistant to Dick Giordano and Neil Adams. He did work for Adams Company Continuity Associates. In 1976 through 77, uh, Terry would ink Marshall Rogers' pencils on a celebrated run on Detective Comics where he collaborated with writer Steve Englehart. That's that one that uh, was only reprinted once and you can never find That's it. Right, That's right, uh, yep. that yeah. That strange Joker apparition. Joker fish. Uh, yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> now, in 1977, Austin, along with penciler John Byrne, became, with writer Chris Claremont, the new creative team on Uncanny X-Men. And this run included the Dark Phoenix saga, which we covered uh, way back on the show. That's right.
0: Uh, though it was during an episode in which we covered X-Factor 71, so mm-hmm. it's not, we're not going to find that exact one. Uh, and actually, we've talked about the Dark Phoenix saga a lot, haven't we, Chris? I think, I think so. It seems to mm-hmm. come up like every third time we do mention the x <laughs> <coughs> So, Austin left Uncanny X-Men in 1981 and has since worked on a variety of titles for both Marvel and DC, including Doctor Strange over Paul Smith and Dan Green pencils, Superman Volume 2 over Byrne... Uh, Justice League over Kevin Maguire and Green Lantern over Darryl Banks' pencils.
1: Yeah, Austin also contributed to several anniversary issues for DC Comics, including Justice League of America number two hundred with a March nineteen eighty two cover date, Superman number four hundred with an October nineteen eighty four uh, cover date, and just like I think every other comic creator at the time, um, <laughs> Batman number four hundred
0: They all got a they all got a little panel. They all there, got a piece. Yeah. They all got a
1: piece of Batman four hundred with that October nineteen eighty six cover date. Now, his inking work since 2002 has included over 15 years of inking the Sonic the Hedgehog comic book series that comes out from Archie. Uh, he was a regular inker of the, until the series was canceled, and uh, then the IP was adopted by IDW in 2017. Terry has accrued significant writing credits over the years, including for the original Cloak and Dagger series for Marvel in the 1980s. And uh, Austin now resides uh, near Poughkeepsie, New York.
0: All right. So the reason we're doing issue number six here is that the first five issues of this comic book series are just a fairly exacting adaptation of the movie Logan's Run, which was directed by Michael Anderson from a screenplay written by Dave Zillag Goodman based on a novel of the same name, which we'll talk about later, released on June twenty third, 1976. The movie was not the novel. This uh, movie stars Michael York as Logan, Jenny Agutter as Jessica, and Richard Jordan as Francis. Uh, These five issues were drawn by George Perez, and the first issue was written by Jerry Conway. The remaining four written by David Kraft.
1: Mm-hmm. Now Logan gets his adamantium here, right?
0: That's right. That's how it okay, happens. Good, good, yeah, good go nice. to Canada. Gotta make sure. Yeah, Gotta that's make right. sure. <laughs> now uh, we
1: have a quote here. Sometime in the 23rd century, the survivors of war, overpopulation, and pollution are living in a great domed city, sealed away from the forgotten world outside. So that's uh basically our mission statement here.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Now the interior of this domed city looks a lot like uh, well a shopping mall, and it's probably worth mentioning that most of the movie is filmed in shopping mall. A Dallas Market Center in Texas With some science fiction set dressing It's a, you know, you can see it yeah. Now, so in the year 22-something-something The world is a hedonistic paradise Where everyone wears differently colored cheese clothes, <laughs> Which, uh I I mean, if it were socially acceptable, I'd be draped in it myself.
0: In Arizona, you get away with it, probably.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, they've secured this lifestyle by requiring everyone to attend a ritual known as carousel. Now, this takes place on last day, or their 30th birthday. This carousel requires that people dress up as fans of the Calgary Flames hockey team and get whipped around on a giant turntable, which ultimately makes them rise slowly to the top of a the arena, and and it's unclear why this (laughs) happened. It's so complex. Uh, (laughs) While there, they disappear in a shower of sparks, hopefully reincarnated or quote, renewed into a new body.
0: Spoiler, they aren't. They die. Uh, So citizens in the future don't even need to mark their calendars (laughs) as to when last day comes, because each person has a white gem embedded in their right palms, known as a life clock. That changes color over the course of their lifetime Until the 30th birthday when it blinks a steady red At least in the movie, that's how it is uh, Folks with the blinking red life clocks try to avoid car- That try to avoid carousel Are known as runners And they are hunted by a police force known as sandmen And they're identified by their black turtleneck sweaters With silver stripe across the front uh, the int- This entire society is run by a mysterious computer With a female voice named... Computer, uh, which is not really that creative, about very which very little is known or at least explained in the movie. There's kind of a little more backstory in the book, which we'll touch on a little bit later on in the episode. So it, it is a sand. It is that Sandman Logan Five and Francis Seven are dispatched to take down a runner.
1: They do, and on his body, Logan finds that he carries a metal ankh Now, the ankh, a n k h, is an ancient Egyptian hieroglyph symbol that symbol that is most commonly used in writing and in Egyptian art to represent the word for life, and by extension, extension as a symbol of life itself. And it, I hear it also makes a really good tattoo. If it often, yeah,
0: that kind of thing. a lot of a lot of people get the tattoo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, if you if you don't know what this thing looks like, it looks kind of like a crucifix, except that there's a loop at the top mm-hmm. instead of a line. So. It's a cross with a loop on top. Like a
0: head. Like a, you know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah kind of like a stick person. Yep. Now, after collecting evidence from the runner's body, Logan heads back to his spectacularly futuristic apartment. He orders a prostitute of some kind of a, from, a dispatching, from a dispatching center, here, and uh, the prostitute is Jessica Six, and she wears an ankh on a choker. Uh, never really off the clock. Logan asks Jessica about this ankh, but she deflects his questions and uh, actually rejects him as a client. So uh, she you know, has a you know an ankh and that sign around her neck that says we re- we can refuse
0: that's, service. That's pretty good, fight. I think. You know that she could do that.
1: It's true. It's true. She has she has autonomy. I'm she sorry. has her own uh, her own way of doing it here. Now eventually she leaves. Now just then Francis shows up with two other women, and he throws some red dust into the air that is supposed to be some some. <laughs> sort of futuristic drug.
0: I guess, yeah. Huh. Uh, the next day, Logan 5 puts the Ankh along with other other evidence into a receptacle to be cataloged by this computer, which is to say that the stuff just kind of vanishes in part of movie mag- magic. Computer asks Logan 5 about the Ankh, but he doesn't know anything about it in particular. The computer asks about Sanctuary, and Logan knows even less about that. So Computer explains that Sanctuary is a place Rudders can go escape to escape last day and uh, the ritual of carousel, whatever the hell that means.
1: Mm-hmm. Turns out they've lost over 10,000 Sandmen in pursuit of the Sanctuary. Computer then tells Logan that he has to go undercover and find out where Sanctuary is and then destroy it. Now, to that end, his life clock is automatically changed to read that it's his last day, which is to say, as we mentioned earlier, it flashes
0: red. And Logan ain't too thrilled about this. He was supposed to retire tomorrow. Oh, Oh, it's always the way. Always the way. way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, he connects with Jessica Six, the prostitute again, who takes Logan on a uh, real wild rump around this uh, futuristic shopping mall. They head to a disheveled, abandoned area known as Cathedral, where uh, kids under the age of 16 have to run away to be dirty thieving types. Uh, <laughs> one of them murdered a Sandman recently, and uh, even brags about it.
0: Then yeah, Logan and Jessica head over to the New U Plastic Surgery Center, where the attending doctor tries to kill Logan with his robotic laser surgery thing, <laughs> and uh, he then he fails and he kills himself. And uh, Farrah Fawcett is the nurse there, so the movie. Does actually feature Fire Faucet in about nine to ten minutes of footage.
1: Yeah, and she probably got top billing. She definitely
0: season. did. That's, <laughs> what everyone, that's what everyone went to go see it for, that's for sure.
1: Now, Jessica and Logan bump into a robot named Box, who has been collecting food for an unknown amount of time, and for no reason, since Box is completely isolated from society. <laughs> It's implied that past runners who sought sanctuary were caught and frozen by box, along with things like fish, plankton, and protein from the sea.
0: Yeah, that's his quote. Fish, plankton, protein (laughs) from the sea. It's one of the weirder scenes that has almost no sense in the movie, or in the book, (laughs) actually. I can't believe. There you go. Uh, Finally, they do get outside of the geodesic dome that encloses this shopping mall dystopia, and they find that the world is... Not destroyed, it's just kind of overgrown a little. Uh, Logan and Jessica, Jessica's life clocks turned completely clear. They are free now of the computer and carousel and that whole world. Meanwhile, Francis has followed Logan and Jessica the entire way, hundreds of treacherous miles <laughs> from the look of it, uh, and wearing that turtleneck sweater the entire time. Like, you can take that off now, dude. You're not, yeah, right. no one's gonna find out. <laughs> no dress code outside. <laughs> Uh, Eventually, Jessica and Logan and Francis make it to the United States Capitol building, which they believe is sanctuary, essentially because it's the only standing building anywhere around them.
1: Hmm. Now, the U.S. Capitol building is where members of Congress work and debate legislation, Uh, so it's a huge chamber for debates, essentially. Uh, Now, within this chamber lives an elderly man and, like, a million feral cats. (laughs) Uh, this old fella is played by Peter Ustinov, and uh, he recites an excerpt from T.S. Eliot's The Naming of Cats. He says, The naming of cats is a difficult matter. It isn't just one of your holiday games. You may think at first I'm, a, I'm as mad as a hatter when I tell you a cat must have three different names. First of all, there's the name that the family used daily, and that is the name that you will never guess, but the na- the name that no human research can discover... But the cat himself knows and will never confess.
0: Now there's a guy that probably has gone over to the crazy cat dude. Yeah, I think so. so? (laughs) He probably, like, definitely his Instagram is all cats at this point. Yeah, that's that's all. (laughs) So Jessica and Logan have never uh, seen an elderly person ever, and they're just fascinated by, you know, someone being old. Uh, Even more by the man's Tales of having a mother And a father because they don't have that In uh, Mm -hmm. the old geodesic Dome city But suddenly Francis shows up And almost gets the upper hand uh, Trying to immediately kill uh, Logan and Jessica for whatever reason But Logan runs through him With a flagpole Which is quite symbolic Very much that America killed him I think I'm not really (laughs) sure what it means But it is definitely symbolic (laughs) Uh, no cats were hurt during this scene, by the way, so don't don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Jessica and Logan decide to take the man back to the shopping mall to show everyone that they don't need to submit to carousel. After a long walk, they make it to what Logan surmises is an air exchange with the interior.
1: Now it looks like a bunch of haphazardly placed steps and uh, water running over them. Uh, this is actually the Fort Worth Water Garden, which is a public park that was built back in 1974. Uh, Logan and Jessica make it back inside, leaving the elderly man behind. They get back inside just in time to see people filing into the sanctuary arena to watch the event. Uh, Logan screams that they don't need to submit to this practice anymore, and, they, and that they can live beyond age 30, at which time Logan and Jessica are captured by Sandmen.
0: Logan is strapped to the chair, or a chair, and interrogated by computer which involves four holographic projections of Logan's face to appear around his actual head <laughs> I, I, we couldn't make this up, nope. uh, computer asks "What? where is sanctuary and Logan replies over and over there is no sanctuary, the computer cannot handle that information, and just goes completely kaput, complete, which <laughs> I gotta say, that's not a really a very good computer no uh, I guess this opens a fissure in the to the outside world. I I don't know. People pour out and find the elderly man standing around, and they all crowd him and touch his face, which is something I would hate.
1: We we all have our fetishes though. So that's, that's true. That's what you're into. That's what you're into. <laughs> but the question is, what happened next? Well, according to Marvel Comics, the story continued in Logan's run number six. Now, the cover of this comic book depicts, well, we have to assume this is Logan and Jessica running towards us leaving and leaving a fiery chaos behind them. Uh, Logan is firing his gun. We got a Cuba statue of a hand with a life clock in the palm, which can be seen in the background, and it's engulfed in flames.
0: Uh, caption reads... Based on concepts from the MGM production Logan's Run, now Marvel takes you beyond the book, beyond the movie, his world in ruin, Logan faces new challenges, new dangers, to run again.
1: Yes, the title page shows a scene of violent chaos and the issue's title which is, Aftermath. Also, there's a weirdly off-brand version of that Logan's Run logo, which looks just a little bit askew there. (laughs) Uh, Now, inside the shopping mall, people are in a mess of a tangle here, just slugging each other and looking quite angry.
0: Caption reads, This place, for lack of a better name, is called The City. Earlier this day, it came to Crashing Down, and its people were cast from paradise into peril. Result? Panic. Panic directed upon the Sandman in general.
1: Hmm, yeah, can panic really be directed?
0: Sort of not by definition, but okay.
1: (laughs) Controlled chaos? I don't know. Um, Now, indeed, everyone has converged on Logan, who is still wearing his Sandman turtleneck sweater. Uh, He tussles with some angry citizens and yells for Jessica to stay back.
0: The old guy from Sanctuary is there, and he doesn't like what's going on in this new neighborhood. "'Why, I've lived here for, well, longer than I can remember.'" The citizen says, "'And look at you. Your hair is the color of ash, "'and your face is pitted and trenched. "'You are bent and feeble.'"
1: "'Houch, rub it in, why don't you, I, "'I'd I, I bet by this point the old fellow just wishes "'he was back surrounded by his cats.'"
0: "'Why did I ever leave? Just... Yeah. they don't ever, "'They don't ever tell me bad things.'" We don't want to end up like you. We don't want to grow old. And yet, we don't know what we want. The Sandman lied to us. Computer lied to us.
1: Yeah, just, just keep punching each other. You're bound to figure it out eventually, right? <laughs> Someone's gonna... <laughs> Someone will get it. Now, uh, Logan and the other Sandmen are herded back into the shopping mall city by the angry rabble. Uh, Jessica and the old man are able to slip away. The Sandmen sand are all taken to the arcade section of this domed city, uh, which looks like another already abandoned beaten up area. Now once the citizens leave them alone, the other Sandmen have a bone to pick with Mr. Logan.
0: And one named Modar says, Logan, you did this. You ruined everything.
1: Modar and I, don't be such a fool. I did nothing. The system would have killed itself in time.
0: Yeah, but you would have had free drugs and sex today. That's the thing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> now, Modar mentions that uh, mentions Logan's <laughs> murder of Francis Seven. And Logan says he didn't want to murder Francis because, you know, they were friends at one point in time.
0: Liar. Liar. You killed Francis Seven. Killed Gordon Four at the runner hideout. You w- want to destroy us all.
1: Modar knocks Logan down with a right hook, but he springs right back up and knocks all the Sandmen back with a straight
0: kick. Caption reads, Logan's muscles ripple, his body moving with an agile grace. He has been trained as a Sandman, and he is the best.
1: So how good is this uh, Sandman training? If one dude could take out half a dozen with like a single kick?
0: I don't, it's either the best or the worst, you know, to me. Yeah. But <laughs> Sandman there, there, there's fights There's no middle Sandman. ground here. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now the other Sandmen take Logan's drop kick to mean that Modar is right about him. Of course, Logan is protesting the contrary the entire time. Then a Sandman named
0: Priest speaks up. Modar, stop this. The city has been in ruin. At all, is chaos, but we are still Sad Man Elite, DS agents. We have our pride and our dignity. Your quarrel with Citizen Logan is a sad waste of these virtues. Come, let us leave him.
1: I, I guess Logan owes him his thanks, right? Yeah,
0: leave this piece of garbage where he <laughs> is. Let's get the hell away. <laughs> Oh, slumped up against some garbage, Logan uses his time uh, alone to ruminate about his crummy situation.
1: Yeah, he thinks to himself, I'm a Sandman, and like it or not, the uniform feels right, and the gun in my palm gives me a charge, a thrill, that serves as a frightening reminder of the man I was. Somewhere I begin to question, I, I don't remember when, and then I was betrayed by computer, forced to run.
0: Well, you did begin to question the system, and so who betrayed whom in this case, really? Let's think about that.
1: (laughs) He continues thinking, Jessica was my only lead to Sanctuary, but she refused to believe I was a runner until I I tried to save another runner in Cathedral.
0: And uh, this did happen in the movie and in Marvel's adaptation. Cathedral was just another abandoned area like we talked about before.
1: I, I, thought, I thought space was at a premium in here, you
0: know? You know, it's because of all these abandoned areas, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> Gentrification uh, rules. That's what does it,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, Logan continues to reminisce about many of these plot points that we've already discussed, and he mentions that his regret over having killed Francis with a flagpole. An exterior shot of the dome city shows that a big chunk was blown out after computers' failure, and so the citizens inside are stunned to greet something that... Every that, uh, that evening For the very first time in their lives Rain
1: mm. Now it would turn out that this domed city doesn't, doesn't quite have proper drainage And so some citizens Are swept along in a raging river Right into some power lines
0: In fact Their vocabulary does not include the word Weather The builders of this city certainly did not plan for it That is the arrogance Of computer utopia
1: Yeah, but counterpoint, uh, we have angry birds That's
0: true, there is that (laughs) Have a good time Uh, Now
1: Jessica, Jessica finds herself Caught up in the crush of panicked people
0: Yeah, she thinks to herself The people are all too disorganized Have to get Logan Then, despite Logan being in
1: a remote area of the arcade They find each other On opposite sides of a thick grate Logan says, Jessica I heard all the screaming, the deafening roar What's going on? I I don't know, Logan.
0: I've never seen anything like it.
1: Jessica turns to the citizens standing guard and petitions them to free the Sandmen.
0: Please, we must let them out. They can help us.
1: One of them says, maybe you're right. Whatever, we can't afford the luxury of grudges.
0: Uh, you can't really afford the luxury of releasing potential enemies either, I gotta say. true. <laughs> true. <laughs> Not with guns? Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> Uh, Priest has taken control of the Sandmen somehow, we don't know. Hmm. Uh, He orders them to grab their blasters and evacuate everyone to the North Sector.
1: Logan tells Jessica to head north with the rest of the crew.
0: Caption reads, as Priest 7 continues to bark orders, Logan leads one of the quickly formed search and rescue teams.
1: And this involves Logan shooting some debris uh, that's lodged in the ceiling. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now uh, water comes rushing in through the hole created by Logan's blasting with a whoosh. Logan's maneuver has drowned a whole lot of people, including himself.
0: Yeah, he's going to he's got to get some he's got some advice for the submerged citizenry.
1: Use your arms. Swim. Fight to stay in the center.
0: Unless you want to take this opportunity to passively die, you can do that too. That's fine.
1: Yeah, weigh your options here. <laughs>
0: Uh, Logan's noticed something being, someone being pulled under.
1: Yeah, he thinks, hold on, someone's being pulled under.
0: (laughs) It's a brunette woman drowning. Logan goes to rescue her, and then the two of them get caught up in a whirlpool.
1: Mm, This whirlpool goes on quite a while, because it allows him a lot of time to (laughs) think. That's right! (laughs) He thinks to himself, wait a minute, if there's a rip current... I remember now, from training for tracking Runners into the water duct system We were warned of the rip currents In the holding troughs, caused by Water rushing up against the walls of the locks Of, of the locks with nowhere To dissipate the force
0: <laughs> Is that right, Logan? That's uh, yes. pretty, pretty fascinating <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a pretty pretty cool uh, Science, so, so you'll just be dying then Is that the plan? I think that's, that's it good. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, indeed, Logan knows that they're cruising up uh, into a dead end, and uh, they'll be smashed up against the wall if it does do something. So he pulls his blaster out and shoots a hole in the wall just before he, Jessica, and a handful of other people slam into it.
1: So does he have another move in his arsenal besides firing the blaster? <laughs> uh, we keep hearing... All, how great the Sandmen training is uh, Fire, so what fire kind your of blaster training? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it seems like it's Step one, fire blaster Step, step two, shake my hand you're, Cross you're
0: fingers yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, A citizen says We made it, I don't believe it
1: Logan says Hopefully, most of the rest of the team escaped
0: If not, eh, no big deal <laughs> <laughs> Caption says Within hours, the people have gathered in the sprawling central mall of North Sector.
1: Hmm, a, a mall inside of a mall? The d- death of retail's been overblown, hasn't it? <laughs>
0: it really has. Uh, Things are doing all right there. In the
1: brick and mort is fine, yeah. <laughs> now, a priest stands on a makeshift stage and addresses the, co- the congregated citizenry.
0: Priest says, It is time for counterproductive chaos to cease and order to be established. Yes, our world has suddenly changed, but we must cope with it, not to run from it. Your initial reaction was to blame us, but we are your only hope for survival. We have the training and the technology.
1: Then from the crowd below, Logan shouts, Then help us, as citizens, not sandmen!
0: Uh, We would, but we already have these special turtleneck sweaters, so we're just going to, you know, keep it this way. (laughs)
1: Logan continues. Or do you expect people to happily revert to computer-controlled puppets?
0: Hey, hey, hey. Let's let the people decide who wants to be a computer-controlled puppet here. Uh, Democracy, after- That's right. Uh, Priest points out that this whole chaotic situation is Logan's fault, after all.
1: In a roundabout way, he ain't entirely wrong. <laughs>
0: Pretty much right, yeah. <laughs> Eyes turned towards Logan fiery these people have been through hell and perhaps they will one day understand why it was necessary
1: meanwhile in the bad neighborhood known as cathedral
0: more a ruin for the shockwave from the city's holocaust uh what <laughs> hmm.
1: <laughs> Now, sure. a cub named Billy is l- lurking around the junk, and he looks furious. Uh, we think this is supposed to be uh, that main cub from the movie, uh, the one with the speaking lines.
0: That's right. This, he was the only <laughs> one that talked. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> uh, he thinks to himself, I thought, it was, it, I thought this might be some new attack by the Sandman, but it seems as if the city has blown its own litty-lid off. They will be easy for a raid, and maybe I can cut me a Sandman or two while I'm at it. You have no ambition, Billy really?
1: <laughs> Now, meanwhile, at Sandman HQ m- Machinery is still somehow working?
0: I guess, some parts of the city yeah. Priest says, it's going to be rough Getting most of this working again I'm not entirely sure where to begin
1: Just as someone at Sandman HQ notes power sources around the city, Logan finds a downed power cable.
0: And he picks it up like a garden hose.
1: As you do. (laughs) (laughs) Computer provided power, which means some vital section of it is still operational. This part of the city could be hooked up to
0: it, but where is it? It could be anywhere. Computer was a part of everything. And the only thing that came close to playing a bigger role in our lives was... Star Wars? Hmm. Carousel! Oh. Yes, that's it! <laughs> uh, Logan, Jessica, and the old man Head over to where Carousel used to happen It's now been abandoned and disheveled uh, the, gigantic, the gigantic gem that acted as a stage For the proceedings is cracked in half
1: Now somehow Logan knows that the shaft beneath the gem Leads to a cybernetic core Furthermore, this is uh, what he wants to see
0: Logan floats down underneath the city which is full of gigantic computers. Most of them are humming away as if nothing has changed topside.
1: But I don't understand. If my mental battle with the computer caused it to overload, wouldn't the chain reaction have started down here?
0: Mental battle? <laughs> don't, don't flatter yourself, Logan. At best, you confuse computer with your own ineptitude. That's all that happened there.
1: It's, it wasn't like he was playing chess against like Deep Blue or whatever. Really? <laughs> <laughs> While Logan floats through banks of huge computers, someone observes him from the
0: shadows. Yes, and he says, So, one has discovered the core. I had hoped it had been so long that they would have forgotten. Whatever. It means that I must take steps more quickly than I'd anticipated.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, he's really dragging his feet
0: I mean, it's been like blown open for a day, you know here At least, yeah <laughs> Logan floats to an area where the huge computers have been destroyed
1: He says, what's this? Seems the cord didn't escape without damage Still, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense Why just one?
0: That's the part that doesn't make sense That's the only part that <laughs> like, doesn't make sense what the heck is yeah, going everything on? Everything else is... <laughs> Uh, Logan happens upon something uh, the, shot, the shot is face on So we don't see what he sees But whatever it is It has shocked him but good
1: Something No, it can't be It is impossible
0: And as Logan examines his curious puzzle In the computer core
1: We return back to the shopping mall city Where sand men try to clean up some of the rubble Billy and a bunch of cubs Lurk in the rafters with their knives drawn
0: there they are, living in their plush little boxes while we scrounge a cathedral. Well, now Billy's gonna take his share.
1: Hmm, and the issue wraps up with a caption that reads Next issue, Cathedral Prime, beginning the most exciting new saga yet.
0: Join us. Well, that was a fine comic book. Uh, just excellent. Just full of thrills and mysteries to be solved. I loved it. Every... There, 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 there's, a, there's a backup. We got a backup. What? Uh I mean more background on the world of Logan's Run we could learn more of that that'd be cool. Uh,
1: not exactly. Okay. Now this is a this is a story called The Final Flower. Hmm. It was edited by Archie Goodwin, written by Scott Edelman with Mike Zeck on art. Susan Fox was our letterer, and the color colorist was Petra G. Probably, I, mean, I wonder if that's Petra Scotizi. But uh, this is uh, something altogether different.
0: Very different, yeah. It's, uh, it features Thanos standing in My some... My favorite st- Logan's Run character. That's right. Direct from the, from the movie Logan's Run, <laughs> Thanos stands in some structure uh, in outer space, as he does usually. He's always standing <laughs> just in the middle of nothing. Uh, we can tell because it's just like a black sky and stars outside. Around him, it looks like a lot of robed folks have been just knocked out.
1: Mm, The caption reads, The planet is distant, its name unpronounceable. The petals are sacred, the last of their kind. The players are Thanos, he who would be God.
0: And he holds a single daisy growing out of a handful of dirt in his outstretched hand. He says, How easily these priest kings fell. Tis a pity that there is so much challenge in... In so little challenge in this most meaningful task.
1: Caption reads: And the Destroyer, he w- he, who will not allow it.
0: Drax the Destroyer is swooping in, as seen in the background. And Thanos plans on smashing the Daisy, thereby subverting this planet's religion, and then you know all will bow to him naturally. Uh, Drax feels differently about it. Yeah. Restrain your celebrations, Thanos. It is for this world to rejoice. For today, you die. sorry. (laughs) Drax swoops in for an attack But Thanos dodges him handily Seems this game of cat and mouse Has been happening for a little while now While Drax and Thanos Battle in this structure More people in robes are making the journey To see this flower
1: Yeah, a woman in a robe is climbing the mountain Beneath this place with a
0: young girl Who's
1: also in a robe
0: She says, I envy you girl To see the final flower while you're still so young
1: Finally, Drax is knocked for a loop by Thanos. He's also dropped the final flower to the ground.
0: As an entertainment, you fascinate me, but I will not let you interfere with my plans. And as an antagonist, you have begun to bore me.
1: Mother and daughter come upon the scene and see the daisy laying on the ground.
0: No! It is blasphemy! It must not be!
1: The mom goes running up to Thanos to give him what for.
0: And the girl is concerned about this, naturally. Mother, no! He'll hurt you! Don't make him angry! Thanos grabs both of them by the scruffs of their robes. Angry insect? You possess not the power to anger Thanos. And, madam, I am a creature who could, without compunction, take your soft, tender flesh and do this.
1: Thanos flings the two women off the mountain. The mom bounces once as she goes.
0: My child! No!
1: Drax observes all of this in horror. We get a caption that reads, As mother and daughter plunge to their doom, images of another mother and daughter flit through the Destroyer's
0: mind. Let me guess, that would be his uh, his wife and child? Ah, uh, spoiler alert! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Killed by Thanos many years past, during the Destroyer's previous lifetime as Art Samson.
0: Wasn't that guy on the Honeymooners, right? There you <laughs> go, right
1: <laughs> <laughs> caption reads Suddenly he knows that even if Thanos escapes Even if he must momentarily Abandon his purpose for the first time
0: It must not Happen again The Destroyer flings himself off the mountain After the two plummeting ladies And he rescues them Then flies back up just in time For everyone to see Thanos trample on the final flower Thanos begins fading away Oh, the Destroyer is not yet finished with you, Thanos. After letting me go so easily, you still dare to use that name? He cackles evilly as he disappears,
1: and the mother and daughter are distraught. He
0: crushed the flower, the last sacred bloom. You shouldn't have let me... You should have let us die.
1: Jeez, you just can't win for losing, poor Destroyer.
0: So, uh... What was that totally Marvel backup story about in this Logan's Run comic? What the what was that all about? <laughs>
1: Could, could could the could the age thing in their palm be an infinity gem? Is Possibly, that, 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 that's that's got to that, be it, right? I think I need I think
0: you that, to write some Marvel movies. Come <laughs> think of
1: it, <laughs> that's our no prize for this uh, for this uh, issue. So here, but actually, when Marvel inked the deal with Metro Goldwyn meyer Studios to produce an adaptation of Logan's Run, they assumed that this included the rights to create future stories, so not just an adaptation. Right. Thing of it is, Marvel was wrong to assume this, since it was not expressed in writing. And besides, MGM had a television show based on the movie that was in the early stages of production, and we'll talk more about that in just a little while.
0: So while Marvel negotiated with MGM about producing future stories, this issue was in production, (laughs) and Marvel hedged their bets and decided to limit the whole thing to 12 pages, which left enough space for this Drax the Destroyer backup, which is, incidentally, Mike Zek's first professional work.
1: Hmm. Now, Marvel admits to this all explicitly in the letters page for Logan's Run number six. We have uh, It's called Born to Run, with apologies to Bruce Springsteen. It says, As this issue heralds the beginning of Logan's Run phase two, it's only fitting and proper that some explanations and introductions be made. With our adaptation of the MGM film now over, Marvel's tooling up to forge ahead into great new explorations of Logan's world and what, it, what makes it run, no pun intended. And your guides along the way will be none other than John Warner on words and Tom Sutton on pictures. John, as you know, spends most of his time as editor on our, of our bombastic black-and-white magazines, but over the years he's also found time to write adventures for Captain America, Son of Satan, Defenders, and Bloodstone. And Tom Sutton, of course, is no stranger to the House of Ideas, having applied his pencils to such strips as Ghost Rider and Man-Thing, as well as inking an adventure or two of a fairly well-known barbarian called Conan. This isn't the first time this, this twosome has been together, by the way. A couple of years ago, John and Tom collaborated on an issue of Supernatural Thrillers.
0: Continues on to say Klaus Janssen will be returning to the inking chores for with our next issue, But this go-around, we'd like to give a big salute to Terry Austin for hopping in and giving us a hand on the old indelibles. Thanks a bunch, Ter. Give our regards to Captain Marvel and Star-Lord. And before we get to the letters, we'd like to mention this issue's Dynamite Destroyer Backup by Scott Edelman and Mike Zek. You see, when tight deadlines brought on by further contractual negotiations with Hollywood made us limit ourselves this issue to a 12-page epilogue, we treat you to this brief cosmic confrontation between uh, Drax and his internal enemy, Thanos. Enjoy, people! Enjoy.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, Logan's Run Number Six was not the final issue of the series. Right. That would actually be the next issue, Logan's Run Number Seven. And since there was only one more issue produced, we probably ought to wrap up the story as yeah, it stands. Why not? Why not? While we're here. Now, still floating through the computer underbelly of the domed city, Logan is attacked by automated defenses that he nimbly floats right past. At the very same moment, the Cubs attack Priest and his Sandmen, looking to add a few notches to their, uh well, they're notch-handled, I
0: guess. <laughs> Whatever the heck those <laughs> are. <yeah. laughs> no, citizens
1: try to fight back, but they prove to be no match for the hardened cubs.
0: Right away, Billy wants access to the food dispensers, and the citizens don't want to give up their food this early in the new society, but what can dozens of armed adults do against a handful of kids? Not much. I yeah, guess not.
1: not. Children of the corn have taught so... us. Yeah.
0: The food dispenser, however, is kaput, uh, since the computer isn't working anyway, and Billy thinks this is a trick, and he becomes more menacing. His blonde girlfriend points out that these folks are too scared to lie.
1: Jessica and the old man show up, and they face uh, facing his mortality. Billy freaks out as Sandmen advance with their blasters. Billy grabs Jessica as a hostage, and he flees the scene. The Sandmen continue firing despite the hostages. Uh, Modar, uh, the, uh, Modar is so crazed, he knocks out the old man.
0: Jessica points out that Billy's girlfriend has been hitting the crossfire, but that doesn't slow him down. He says the others will take care of her. Sure they will. Yeah, they, they sure
1: Whatever, Whatever helps you sleep at night.
0: Uh, Priest and Mo and Argo berserk over the Cubs' insolence. Uh, they all want revenge. Logan happens by, and they let him know that Jessica has been taken hostage. He's <laughs> just kind of to along. Oh, uh, by the way. Then they won't let him play in their reindeer games anymore. He's, he's not a sandman, so that's it. Uh, Which I thought was established already, but it's good to know that there's been no change to that, so that's nice.
1: True that. Now, uh, Logan figures that uh, whatever Priest and Modar are up to is probably small potatoes compared to the spread of computer hardware that he saw underground. And his main concentration is getting Jessica back from Billy and the Cubs. Uh, Elsewhere, Priest feels sorry for himself while sitting next to a computer screen, which suddenly flickers to life and hypnotizes him.
0: Over in the Sandman HQ locker room, Logan puts on a new sweater and grabs a fully charged blaster, which, uh... That's weird, because I thought he was no longer a Sandman, just walk, <laughs> walking in, grab whatever he wants. Not a lot of strong checks anymore. The, now no. the computer is gone, I suppose. Uh, the gun described here is closer to the one featured in the novel. Each bullet performs its own specified feat... Kind of like something from a Tex Avery cartoon, right? You know, <laughs> this 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 uh, bullet pulls out a giant mallet and whacks you yes. in the head or something. <laughs> the like
1: that. boxing glove, yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh, then Logan heads out to Cathedral City. Uh, the I'm sorry, to Cathedral to find Jessica.
1: Modar, with a crazed look on his face, follows Logan in secret. Inside Cathedral, Billy is trying to apply first aid to his girlfriend's flesh wound. And, of course, he's doing it all wrong. (laughs) Uh, At which time, Jessica steps in to help, and uh, Billy makes a threatening remark in her direction. His girlfriend says to leave Jessica alone or else.
0: No, nookie. Mm -mm. Then Priest comes storming into the Sandman HQ, insisting that they need Logan for a special mission. Modar says he followed Logan to Cathedral, so Priest figures it's time for a raid on the Cubs, which Logan will not survive if that wasn't clear. Back at Cathedral, Logan walks into the Cubs' camp with his uh, his arms up in surrender. But it's all a psych-out because he has his gun at like, uh, guarded like half a panel.
1: <laughs> now Billy taunts Logan that he's uh, nothing without the blaster. So Logan tosses it aside and agrees to go mano-a-mano, one-on-one. Over the course of two pages, they beat each other up. Logan gets the upper hand pretty quickly. Billy's about to grab the blaster for an underhanded switcheroo. But his girlfriend throws a rock at him to stop it because she believes this should be a fair fight.
0: <laughs> That's good of her. <laughs> uh, Logan and Jessica are sort of chilling out in Cathedral, wondering what to do next. Uh, we're sort of curious what's going to happen too. Sure. Just then, Sandman pour into the area and start firing wildly. Logan and Jessica start running around with start running with the cubs, but in chaos, become separated. And Logan gets away from his assassins Though still, as Priest observes His blaster sitting on the ground He figures Logan can't get too far Final caption reads Next issue Find out what lies beyond Cathedral and what is Mind Sin Plus the return of But that would be telling The Renewal Run Whatever Any of that means, I have no idea And we never will find Mm -hmm. out because there never was another issue after this. Uh, but we're going to take a break we're going to think about what we've read and try to (laughs) suss it out we come back, we'll wrap up our talks all about Logan's Run the Escalapter Mark III replaces traditional automated hairdressing and cosmetic devices with the latest in servo-surgical designs its multiple surgical laser beams are focused with microscopic accuracy to restructure your face and body any way you like imagine a whole new face in less than an hour welcome to the 23rd century perfect world of total pleasure. MGM presents the Saul David production of Logan's Run. Run, Logan. Just imagine the fulfillment of every fantasy. Run, Logan. The satisfaction of every vanity. Run, Logan! The absolute attainment of every wish. Run! There's just one catch. Run, Logan! Logan's Run. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Released by United Artists. Logan's Run. It's the perfect world of total pleasure. There's just one catch.
1: Welcome back, runners. Let's talk about the novel of Logan's Run. Now, uh, this bugger was written by William F. Nolan in 1967. Uh, The movie catches the tone of the novel, but the story is very different. Uh, For one thing, the novel actually pinpoints the year in which these events will happen, which is the year 2116. And, uh, you know, that's a lot sooner than sometime in the 23rd century, of course, so it makes it look even more looming. Right. Uh, Now, another big difference between the movie and the novel is that uh, people have to elect to die at the age of 21 and not 30. Uh, this also has a pretty big ev- effect on the dynamics of the society. It's all a result of a war known as the Little War that was fought in the year 2000 over resources uh, when it was decided that the old had to sacrifice for the young.
0: I mean, you know, uh, the old, 21, that's pretty young. In, in our society, that's like still pretty much a child in a lot that's of a ways. That's a child, yeah. But, even...
1: but you know, they used to say, you know, don't trust anyone over 21, right? That, that's, that's
0: right. That... <laughs> I thought it was 25. I forget <laughs> what year. They kept moving the mark, the, the goalposts as, as uh, they got older.
1: As we got older, yeah.
0: <clears throat> so, uh, part of the introduction to this book reads, the seeds of the little war were planted in a restless summer during the mid-1960s with sit-ins and student demonstrations as youth tested the strength tested its strength. By the early 1970s, over 75% of the people living on Earth were under 21 years of age. The population continued to climb, and with it, the youth percentage. In the 1980s, the figure was 79.7%. In the 1990s, 82.4%. In the year 2000, critical mass.
1: Another difference is that life in the novel doesn't take place completely within this you know, futuristic shopping mall, but in covered societies placed all around the world. Uh, they're accessible by extremely rapid high-speed rail known as the maze car. Uh, the outside world is a lot more interesting in the novel as well. In Gettysburg, a group of robots reenact the famous Civil War battles in ad infinitum. Uh, now, in America's capital city, it's overrun with wildlife, including a panther that uh, actually stalks Logan and Jenna, Jessica, throughout the uh, the novel. There
0: couldn't, couldn't afford that for the film, I guess. You know, that was a little yeah. much.
1: <laughs> they they got the cat. They just couldn't train it.
0: Couldn't train it. I yeah. <laughs> Now, a computer also gets a
1: name. It's called Deep Sleep, which actually helps explain why the police force is known as the Sandmen.
0: Yeah. Oh, wait a second. There we yeah. go. <laughs>
1: Context is king. <laughs> It all ends with Logan and a few others escaping to Mars. Also, it turns out that Francis was actually a famous member of the resistance and that he was actually helping Logan and Jessica all along. Huh. Yeah. A big difference is that sanctuary is a place that exists. It's an abandoned space station named Argos. Uh,
0: why the film adaptation went another way is unknown, but the script was in development for an unusually long time, like hmm. almost 10 years. Weird. Uh, the 1976 film was meant to be one of a new breed of films created the year before by the movie Jaws, which is known as the summer blockbuster. Indeed, MGM spent roughly $9 million to the $7 million that was spent on Jaws. Much of this was used on the models of the future city that are seen mainly in the opening credits as well as uh, the special effects of the movie. Like for the people floating during Carousel, this was actually much harder to do than you might have thought. Since they were actually on wires And uh, Mm. there's a whole thing that you have to get uh, Take care of there Sure. Uh, In fact though this movie won Academy Awards For cinematography, art direction And special achievements Whatever that means in 1977 Mm. Uh, The movie received Mixed reviews though it proved to be Popular with younger audiences members Uh, The movie was not a blockbuster Success though Netting a mere quote unquote 25 million
1: Still, its meager popularity led MGM to invest an additional nine million dollars into developing a Logan's Run television show. This would star Gregory Harrison as Logan Five, Heather Menzies as uh, Jessica Six, and Randy Powell as Francis Seven. Uh, this adaptation changes the year once again, which catapults us over a hundred years into the future year of twenty-three nineteen. Also, people live in shopping malls because of a nuclear Armageddon and not the more general, you know, war overpopulation and pollution uh, gimmick that was mentioned in the movie. Uh, The television show takes us beyond the film's ending and actually rewrites quite a bit of Logan and Jessica's escape, showing that computer was actually controlled by a secret council of elders who sat at a table behind a secret panel in the computer room.
0: It's one of the funniest things you'll ever see in your life, the reveal of this is... (laughs)
1: It's like they're conflating this with, like, the prisoner a little bit. It's just very, weird. A little bit really of
0: Wizard weird. of Oz. Exactly yeah, princess. sure. It's very, very weird.
1: <laughs> now, Logan runs in this uh, incarnation because he has uncovered the ruse.
0: Seeing the forest that is their whole society, Logan and Jessica strike out into the wilderness on their own to forging a new path and learning that plenty of people are living out in the open wastelands than they previously thought. They take a wicked cool car, the car that looks like a wedge and take off for adventures. Uh, the Council of Elders tasks Francis VI with bringing them back for reasons that they have, I guess. Uh, I guess this really is primarily to keep Francis VI in the story. Uh, oh, yeah, in the television version, he doesn't die. That's That's one thing that's important to mention.
1: They found the flagpole cure. That's
0: Uh, right. It ran right through him. (laughs) It It missed missed all the organs.
1: (laughs) All the vitals, yeah. Uh,
0: So he's actually allowed to take a couple of Sandmen with him to do the job, which really shatters this illusion of the dark (laughs) society. He's just like, take a couple of guys with you and... uh, Pick me up some milk while you're out there, you
1: know. Sure. <laughs> now, uh, Logan's run, the television show, becomes sort of like an Adventure of the Week type of show, kind of like Star Trek or Gilligan's Island before it. Uh, Jessica and Logan encounter primitive societies, robots, strange beasts. They generally have a really good time on the uh, in the wasteland. Sure,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> now, they're also joined by an android named Rem, played by Donald Moffat, who uh, prov- proved popular with the generally small viewership of the series.
0: The show was big enough, though, for toy manufacturer Mego, and these are the guys who made the cloth body action figures of our favorite superheroes in the 1970s to design and manufacture prototypes, uh, at least of characters from the TV show. This would be Logan, Jessica, and Francis specifically. Uh, It seems that that manufacturing may have begun on the series. Uh, A former employee claims to remember that a bunch of these dolls were destroyed, and for years one could find dolls at discount stores wearing the familiar silver-banded turtleneck of the Sandman uniform.
1: Weird. (laughs) Now still, the uh, studio's investment was large (laughs) enough to export this show to UK television, where it gained a following. And so, the weekly Look-In magazine in the UK, labeled as a Junior Television Guide, they ran another Logan's Run comic strip, printed in two colors based on the television show. Beginning in April 1978 and concluding not many issues later, (laughs) uh, Look In presented new comic stories for Logan, Jessica, and Rem, drawn by David Lloyd, who uh, we know as the uh, artist on V for Vendetta. Yep. Uh, The writer of these stories, for whatever reason, perhaps... uh, Perhaps a good reason I remained anonymous
0: It may be David Lloyd, it's hard to say It might be Uh, Some comics are collected in the hardbound book titled Logan's Run Annual Published in the UK in 1979 by Brown Watson Along with Logan's Run themed puzzles and a text story or two And then there's Logan's Run, the other, other comic Uh, There was yet another comic (laughs) book adaptation of Logan's Run This time based on the novel Published by Adventure Comics, distributed by Malibu, as they all were in the 80s pretty much, uh, in 1990, and written by Tom Mason and Chris Ulm. Art by Barry Blair, Ottawa-born artist and owner of Air Cell Comics, who uh, some of his early animation appeared on the Canadian teen show, You Can't Do This on Television. Teen show? Well, I mean, it featured teens on it, so... That's true. (laughs) True.
1: And and, and Alanis Morissette. That's right, that's right. (laughs) Now this comic is a pretty straight adaptation of the novel, which was done over six issues. It's a black and white, independently produced comic book. Uh, you know, this was uh, the late '80s, early '90s. There were a lot of them around That's at right. this time, uh, and the art style is reminiscent of uh, Wendy uh, Pini on uh,
0: ElfQuest. That's right. Well, one of the best-selling comics of Airsoft that produced was called Elf Lord, so there True. might be might be some connective tissue there.
1: <laughs> Could be. Uh, and the novel Logan's Run was at the beginning of a trilogy. Uh, Logan's World was published in 1977 Logan's Search was published in 1980 And both, as the first, were written by William F. Nolan
0: And a remake of the movie has been in various stages of production Since the mid-1990s Which we would say is probably not going to happen But Mm -mm. with that being said We probably have now caused it to happen Because I've never been correct about such <laughs> prognoses ever in the past. But we don't know what's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is Logan's one of the. I, I mean, Chris, this this really strikes me as just one of the most over overmind properties. You know. Yeah. Uh, for some for something that's just kind of maybe a little bit clever the the original concept, right? Sure. Uh, sure. But do we need this many adaptations? Do we need? <laughs> this much of rumination uh, it's it's kind of a goof but uh, you know i dig the movie a lot and uh, the the comic is definitely interesting it, especially in light of the you know in a ye- the following year after the comic they picked up star wars true uh, and also as, as we've talked about a little bit off the air you know logan's run was kind of the last of a certain sci-fi kind of movie that would that would be usurped by Star Wars. So this all kind of exists in a weird trench between
1: yeah, it's like on a cusp. Yeah, it's between
0: uh... yeah, styles, you know what I mean? It would so much would change in in a year from now, but uh that's it for Logan's Run. If you saw the movie and you want to tell us about it cuz I love to talk about the movie Logan's Run <laughs> or if you uh, have a feeling about uh, anything we've talked about, about uh, running or life clocks or any of that good stuff, you can write to us at Weird Comics History at Gmail.com.
1: You can find us on Instagram at Cosmic T also on Twitter at Cosmic T
0: I'm on Twitter at Reggie Reggie.
1: I'm at Ace Comics.
0: You can check out Chris's personal blog, Chrisis's where he does a daily post on a DC comic. You have just Today I know we're recording mm-hmm. this today and people won't you know hear it later but concluded not only your 1400th post yep. right but your the end of your action comics your exploration of action comics weekly which was you were calling action comics daily yes and
1: almost 300 days in the making
0: unbelievable you you really have to do yourself a service and go check this out folks because the work he's put in on this uh, series is just been exemplary. You know, you can go to the most recent Action Comics Daily Post and pretty much go through the series from there. Mm-hmm. Would be a good way to do it, I think. Uh, just to keep the different stories straight, probably make it clearer to you than it made it to Chris while well, he did it. <laughs> so that'll be nice. To say.
1: Because they haven't figured out like a way to make a blog readable if you're reading it from beginning to end. Everything's no. backwards and and which every which way, but. Uh... That most recent post, is uh, it's kind of a triptych for you, just it, to get through every single story. It's,
0: exactly. Uh, it so, it's sort of uh, yeah, lays it all out for you in, in, the, in a good way. So, Chris is infinite earth. you got to go check that out. And
1: speaking of chronologically uh, <laughs> listing things, uh, you can head over to uh, the show site, chrisandreggie.com, where you can find everything we've done that uh, involves noise. And uh, you can do so. Uh, you can listen chronologically, you can listen uh, by interest, and uh, I think it's got a, a search feature you can find, whatever whatever you're looking for, you can find it. And uh, that's chrisandreggie.com, all the shows, everything in order, box sets, everything you might want, it's all right there for you.
0: Yeah, it should be mentioned that we do other shows also, Weird Comics History, mm-hmm. uh, you do a Chris on Infinite Earth show, I do Reggie's Comic Stories. So there's a bunch of stuff on our feed, and if you want to sort through it uh, in a reasonable way, chrisandreggie.com. But uh, I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? Nope, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill. Run! Run! Yeah, run for it. Yes, run for it. Do not look back, run. Point and no return, run. i know that society is eyeing me they say that my time is up i don't agree numbers shouldn't tell us how to live our lives you know what i mean not to the extreme hey why you want us in a box why why you want our dreams on clocks why i don't really want a part of it so I gotta just run, 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 still far away from being done, run, and my tank still showing F, yeah, yeah, you thought I had a little left, nah, people like
1: you, I swear, I, I gotta run for my life, run,
0: I gotta run for my future, dude, gotta keep running, keep going, going, gotta keep running, keep going.